0: Welcome to this bonus episode of The Medical Republic. I'm journalist and co-host, Francine Crimmins. The recording you're about to hear is from an interview I did with GP registrar, Dr. Robert Dixon. He traveled to Antarctica to complete some of his training with Acram. But what's it really like to be a GP in one of the most remote places on Earth? On almost every day, you're more than just a GP, you're the entire medical system. This is Dr Dixon's story. I um, I came down on the Aurora Australis, which is the icebreaker. It wasn't long after leaving Hobart, um, within sort of 12 hours and the sun going down, that land was put behind us and lost and we entered this sort of weird world of sensory deprivation on the southern ocean where there weren't even there was the occasional albatross out the back but other than that just see as far as you could look in every direction on the horizon and I haven't been out in done a big ocean crossing before so that was amazing just getting rocked by this powerful ocean. One day there just happened to be an iceberg on the horizon and then six hours later there were plenty of icebergs on the horizon and then 12 hours after that we're in the, the icy rim that Sort of in circles, um, Antarctica down the bottom, just going through all the sea ice and the pack ice, and um, it didn't. It actually took far less time than the satellites had expected that were able to cut right through the ice, and all of a sudden you, you go from being at sea where there's just nothingness in every direction um, to this amazing world where there's ice everywhere, there's penguins and jumping over little um, sort of ice sheets and there's seals stunning themselves in the corner and you're looking out for waves and there's birds circling the ship all different types that I hadn't really seen before. And then um, one morning we woke up and there we were just sitting in a bay outside the front of Casey. Um, the the land and the the colours, the, the ocean is so, so clear that it's so such a deep black-blue. Um, and that contrasts with the grey of the, the rock. It's a very sort of rocky coastline. Um, the, the, the completely unblemished white of the um, the snow as well. So you're not seeing a huge variety of colours that you're used to. I mean, the greens and reds and things aren't well represented, but um, the colours that they do have are, are very, very strong. So it was, it was quite amazing to be able to see that sort of lack of colour and then Australia's very brightly coloured buildings of Casey Station just sitting there on, on the shore, like that feeling of when at night... If you're camping or something, you look up and just see this canopy of stars above you and you just feel very small. But then everything else, like all the problems in life, seem very insignificant too. I certainly found that, and a lot of other people did as well, That going down there, just because you are constantly overwhelmed by um, how small and fragile humans are in the scheme of things, um, the priorities in life seem much more manageable, if you know what I mean. When the the ship got there, there was... The, the next role for the station the next two weeks is probably the busiest of the year and that's the whole station resupply where really there's no other project work or anything going on. They need to get a whole year's worth of supplies off the ship. They need to get mm-hmm. a whole year's of fuel sort of safely, environmentally safely, pumped off the ship and it's all hand-deck mm-hmm. and it's a big process and for Casey each year that falls over Christmas so everyone's sort of working very hard shift work all day, all night on Christmas Day so sort of that Four year, uh, four, four day, um, period over the new year was just, um, the Christmas celebration and New Year celebration all bundled up into one. And for me, that was me <laughs> just getting used to the new, um, the new station as well. So it was, it was, that was the point where I started to see different sides of people meeting everyone. It was a, it was a, it was a great experience. The, um, they have professional chefs down there. There were three professional chefs that work and they were great people and they, um, they put a lot of effort into, um, so those, those showpiece meals like Christmas and things, and there was just sort of sort of seafood going everywhere and a dessert table that was probably about four metres by two meters long just eating <laughs> all kinds of different desserts and things like that. So a lot of people talk about the food as a defining part of their, their time down in Antarctica because the, the chefs work so hard to keep everyone's morale as high as possible with their creations. But in terms of the work, uh, it, it's a very sunny job and it's very different to what anyone who's sort of worked in hospitals or general practice would be would be used to because um, a large part of your day is spent with all the kinds of upkeep that a small healthcare system needs that as a doctor you don't often have much if any of a role in. So large parts of your day are to do with um, maintenance of the equipment that you've got, um, to do with um, making sure that all the stock and medicines and your whole pharmaceutical supply is in good order um, and everything is checked and you know where everything is and that kind of thing. Um, You have to do everything for yourself if you did see a person, so it it ends up taking quite a long time to manage a single patient. Um, You sort of see them and then enter them into a computer system that have to go through a satellite and things and there's obvious um, slight delays there and then you... um, then you if you take a blood test, you take it yourself and then you you spin it down yourself and then you you mm. get the serum in one spot and the cells in another and put them in separate machines and then sync the machines up with the computer and it turns into a real process. So mm. simple things take a long time down there and you end up having to do a lot of different sort of stock equipment things that you wouldn't have to do as a doctor otherwise. And you, you, your role extends to doing dentistry if patients need it, to giving them physiotherapy if that's what they need have to maintain the public health and the mental health of the community at large. So it's a very diverse job. Um, but in terms of the actual medical work that I was used to, that actually comprised a relatively small part of, of any one day. One of one of the things I'm most grateful for from the experience is it just makes you appreciate how much work actually goes into um, the day-to-day health things that, that, that we do. There's a huge amount of work that lots of different people are putting in. And it's only when you're doing all the restocking all the um, sort of item and equipment maintenance and management and all the cleaning and everything yourself, you realise that it's a it's a huge effort to make our health system run. Thankfully, when I was down there, there were no major incidents, but and certainly in parallel universes in different ways, um, certain health problems that we found could have gone one way or another. The most memorable thing for me was the power of um, sort of patrolling the community and sort of going searching for problems. And... It, it's amazing how when you're just in the clinic room, people tell you one thing um, and they will come in and they'll chat to you as uh, as a doctor in sort of a formal sort of doctor-patient style interaction. But then when you're moving about the, the work sites and workplaces as a whole, you see a different side of people. And it was very memorable for me when um, I um, sort of see people in the clinic as in a bit more of a patient capacity um, but then it was only later that you'd see them um, out and about, and they'd be talking to you more as a friend. And extra things would pop up, really important sort of life events for them that were going on. They'd then they'd, they'd then share with you in that other sort of capacity, and, and that made it that was essential to being able to sort of manage them as a as a complete person and anticipate what might um, be happening for them and what might go wrong in the future. So there, there was no there was no one standout um, medical event that. Anything that goes wrong down there, even if it's really simple, because you're so isolated and logistically it's so complicated to get people out and there's so many consequences of um, watching and waiting. I mean, Mm -hmm. things that a general practitioner would just watch and wait, whether it's um, a skin lesion or um, someone with sort of a a lump in their underarm, their axilla, um, suddenly becomes a real issue down there. So you... Mm -hmm. It actually sort of results in, there was several times we had to um, sort of get specimens on planes and get results back so we could make decisions about whether that person can stay down there over winter or um, having to sort of potentially fly people out on one of the planes that are scheduled to go so that they can get seen by a specialist and then sent back on another plane if everything goes well. So little things turn into um, quite interesting yeah, like I- interesting little scenarios. For someone such as myself, I'm, I'm really interested in um, embracing the life of a generalist. Uh, that makes a lot of sense to me that Australia has unique problems in that there's such diverse communities in Australia that are separated by really big distances and it just doesn't make sense to have all our medical resources centralised just in capital cities. It might make sense for other countries, but it doesn't for Australia. The idea of being a generalist is definitely meeting a need that Australia has and will probably always have, Um, and being in that sort of rural generalist space at the moment is actually really, really exciting. There's a lot of funding going into solidifying a national training program for rural generalists. There's these new initiatives like this CALM initiative that the Antarctic Division has has set up Um, and it's really as a a registrar and someone who's training a really sort of exciting and inspiring place to be. Um, Although going down to Antarctica as a doctor doesn't give you everything that um, a generalist needs to know about, I mean there's no no pregnancy, there's no kids, there's no elderly people, there's no chronic disease, there's no Mm -hmm. major drug and alcohol problems, so that I mean, that that's a large part of general practice right there that isn't isn't represented. So um, it's not it's not every part of generalism. But what it has taught me is a high degree of self sufficiency. Um, it's taught me um, it's, and motivated me about the different places that a medical career can go. Um, and it's also taught me a lot about. Um, I suppose it's given me a standard to hold the rest of my medical career to in that. If they can have such a great healthcare solution in Antarctica for the medical problems, then why can't the small, small town that I'm working in have just, a, just as good as access and just as good a surface? These days, um, like fund, funding comes into it, um, but innovation and knowing the networks and the people around you and finding new solutions to get around um, old problems of distance are gonna be a very important part of Australia's healthcare future. So it's been, it was really inspiring to see what can be achieved on the end of the planet. And if we can achieve it on the end of the planet, surely we can achieve such a good, sort of like a good, strong healthcare solution to um, issues on the ground in Australia too.